Chapter One of Wanted Seven Fearless Engineers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Wanted Seven Fearless Engineers by Warner Van Lorn. A great civilization's fate lay in Dick Barrow's hands as he led his courageous fellow engineers into a strange and unknown land. None of them knew what lay ahead, what dangers awaited them, or what rewards. But they did not hesitate, because the first question asked them had been, Are you a brave man? Chapter 1 Opportunity From where Dick Barrow sat, Hundreds of men were visible, occupying benches in every manner of position. Some stretched at full length, sleeping in the morning sun after a night in the park. Others sat with heads hanging, thinking thoughts of their own. Depression or recession, it meant the same to all of them. Some didn't care, but others tried to find any kind of work that would fill their stomachs with food. For three days Dick hadn't eaten a good meal and felt almost as low as the derelicts whom he had for companions. He would have enjoyed a smoke, but turned away as two men dove for a cigarette-butt, discarded by a passer-by. Anyone who could afford to buy a newspaper was an aristocrat, and Dick watched until he saw one discarded. For three days he had been reading them second-hand, but the only jobs were too far to walk and apply for. His eyes stopped at one item in the column, and a puzzled frown slowly puckered his forehead. Wanted an engineer, young man with love for electrical and mechanical work, who is not afraid of isolation, have some knowledge of engineering, but general experience more desirable than specialized training, must be willing to leave country, never to return, for which you will be well remunerated, have no close family ties, and are willing to submit to certain amount of danger, will be isolated with few members of own race, but will have great opportunity to develop mastery of huge machines. Come prepared to leave a post immediately, without preparation. Every want will be taken care of by employers. This position is for lifetime, without opportunity of turning back, after having accepted responsibility. Great opportunity. Room 36, 18 West Morgan Avenue, City. For a long time Dick Barrow gazed at the ad, mentally comparing his own qualifications for the position. And they seemed to fit. He was not a graduate engineer, being forced to quit school after two years of study. Three years later his father died, then Dick lost the job that had kept them eating regularly. His love of mechanics remained insatiable, and he constantly hoped for work which would allow him to use his knowledge and ability. He had no relations, and the only girl had forgotten him when he left school. He heard that she married a classmate. Dick was twenty-seven. Five years had slipped by since he quit school, and he couldn't remember where they'd gone. It was only six months after his father died that he lost his last regular job. He tried selling and was a failure. He had been carpenter's helper, plumber's helper, porter, counterboy and busboy as the months passed, but nothing steady. For the past two months he had been hunting for work, while his few dollars dwindled to where he no longer had room rent. Then it was the park. His feet were sore and blistered from holes in his shoes, and he limped with every step. It took so long to reach the address that there was little chance of finding the job still open. It was not the first time he had missed, for the same reason. 
he found that 18 Morgan Avenue was a dreary structure, appearing as if it had been standing twenty years too long. The wooden stairs creaked as he rested his weight on first one sore foot and then the other. Room 36 was at the top of the five-story building, and it seemed ages before he reached the doorway. The only sign of furnishing in the room was a hard bench, occupied by three men. Dick had to stand while his feet tortured him, but it was hopeful to see men waiting. The job wasn't filled. Suddenly a door at the opposite side of the room jerked open, and a man dashed through. "'Get out of here! The man's insane!' Two of the men followed, but the man who remained on the bench glanced at Dick, grinned, shrugged his shoulders, and entered the door. A moment later his booming voice could be heard through the thin partition, although his words were not clear. An hour passed while Dick waited. When the man came out with a smile on his face, he wished Dick luck and headed for the stairway. Barrow felt a queer sensation as he stepped through the inner doorway. A man faced him in a huge leather chair across the room. At least Dick thought he was a man. Grotesque in every way, his body was small, while his head was twice as large as normal. He was light-complexioned, with almost white hair thinly covering the top of his enormous head. His features were finely cut, with large aquiline nose. He was not repulsive, and smiled in welcome as Dick hesitated at the threshold. When he spoke, his tone was soft and musical. "'Welcome, stranger. You have come in answer to my advertisement, and I will explain without wasting time. But first, tell me about yourself.' Going over his complete life history, including the two years in college, Dick came to the lean years when his father died. He hesitated slightly, not proud of this period. "'Go on, Mr. Barrow. It is not important to have been a success in business.' and I will not consider that in your applications. It isn't what you have done, but what you want to do that interests me." He spoke with a strange accent that Dick didn't recognise, but he was pleasant and made it easy to talk. When Barrow finished, by relating the finding of the newspaper and the long walk to the office, the queer man was smiling. "'I like your frankness, and will tell you about the position although I can't reveal the location of your work. It is not on any map, and you will work among a race such as myself, with no opportunity of leaving after reaching the destination. You will be given every comfort and advantage among my people, and be required to work hard in return. There are several machines out of commission which must be repaired and put to work again. After a few months your work will be easier, although you must constantly watch all machinery to see that it is in perfect condition and does not stop work for even a moment. My people use mechanics of greater size and development than anything you have ever seen, and our lives depend on its perfect operation. In order to accept this position, you must be married. Your wife must come with you, and be willing to accept the same living conditions which are offered to you. The man who left this office as you entered has a fiancée, and has gone to talk it over with her. In your instance, I must select your wife. You will be the leader of the workmen whom I take back. There will be only a few people such as yourself, and you can never again see others of your race." You will have power 
and wealth among my people, and every type of entertainment that you desire. But remember that you leave your race for ever, with no possibility of return. If you accept my offer, you must trust entirely in what I say about the future. When the man finished speaking, Dick was quiet for a long time. Everything seemed so unreal, so different from what he had expected. He must be willing to leave everything he had always known, to enter an existence which he didn't understand, without chance of return. Yet he believed every word this man spoke, impossible as it seemed. But marriage, with a girl he had never seen. The man spoke again. You hesitate about marrying. I can see it in your eyes. But remember that she must accept without knowing you, and is taking just as great a chance. This I can say. She will be brilliant, and I could not trust you to pick out a brilliant woman for your wife. Love would come first in your eyes. Other things would seem unimportant. I know that you and the girl I select are apt to fall in love, as I shall choose a girl suitable to your temperament. Dick answered slowly. I, I don't know what to say. I will have to live with her all my life, and if we're not happy, anything you could offer would mean nothing. The smile spread over the strange man's face again. I wouldn't worry too much. I believe you could stand a greater chance of happiness if I do the choosing than if you do it yourself, as I can see more of the future. If you are mutually likable and willing to understand each other, if you are mentally on the same level, there is little chance of not falling in love. My race mates in this way, and it works out better than your haphazard mating. When he realised that Dick still hesitated, he was slightly upset. Then, reaching into a leather bag hung from a strap around his neck, he stretched forth a handful of bills. Go and get yourself a good meal. It is now morning. When two more mornings have passed, come again. Don't be afraid to use the money for anything that you desire. This does not mean that I expect you to accept the offer but it will allow you to think it over carefully, without thinking of your stomach. Buy clothes, a room to sleep in, anything else that you want. Be comfortable, and do not worry about what you spend. If you refuse my terms, I will be disappointed, but will not expect to be repaid. As Dick reached the street, he shook his head. It all seemed so fantastic but the money in his hand was real money, and there was a lot of it. Suddenly he realised that people were staring at the handful of bills, and he hurriedly stuffed them in a pocket. When he was alone for a moment, he stepped into a vacant doorway to count it. There were fourteen twenties, ten fifties, and three ten-dollar bills in the lot, twenty-seven bills in all, representing eight hundred and ten dollars. Folding the money carefully and placing it in a safe pocket, he noticed a sign across the street. Shoes, it said. He glanced at his own, then limped slowly across when the traffic lights changed. For a moment he looked in the window, then stepped inside. While the shoe clerk was busy, 
he carefully slipped a twenty from the other bills. It would seem strange if he had too much money, with his feet in such shape. The next stop was a restaurant. Then followed a trip to a clothing store, and he left his old suit behind. With new clothes, shoes, and a meal beneath his belt, he began to think the offer of the stranger was far from fantastic. What if he did have to marry a strange girl? At least they would both have comfort and companionship wherever they went. Barrow's first appointment was on Tuesday morning, and Friday found him climbing the same stairs. He watched the papers, but there had been no repetition of the advertisement. Evidently the strange man had all the applicants he wanted. The outer office was empty, but when he opened the inner door, the queer man was smiling, just as Dick remembered him. "'Come in, Mr. Barrow. I'm glad to see you. I was surprised to hear of your use of the money, but was pleased rather than disappointed. You did well.' For a moment Dick was taken aback. Then he smiled sheepishly. "'I don't know just what to say, sir. I did so many things, but I didn't know I was being watched.' Every move you made was watched carefully, and reported to me. I know where you spent every hour since you left here the other morning. I wanted to know how you would act with money enough to do as you pleased for a few days. You acted wisely, and I'm glad that you spent so much of it on men who need it. You bought twenty-two pairs of shoes, thirty-six shirts, and forty-five suits of underwear. You also bought cheap suits for nine men, and several odd-and-end accessories as well. Out of the total sum, you spent less than one hundred dollars for yourself, and yet you have only forty-two dollars of the sum I handed you. The remainder you used for meals and cheap lodging for the men you have taken care of in the past three days. You have gone through a lot of money since you were here. Dick stammered as he spoke. I, I, I'm sorry, sir, but I, I thought... You thought just right. I did give you the money to use as you pleased, and I'm proud of the way you spent it. But I want to know the answer. You must have decided by this time. If the answer is yes, you will bind yourself to a lifetime of work. If it is no, we will say goodbye. Dick's face lighted with a smile. The answer is, yes, I'm proud to leave my future in your hands, even to my marriage. I made up my mind to do as you desire, and am prepared to leave any time you're ready. I hope you've hired everyone you need, and that we'll all enjoy our new work. You are a brave man, Dick Barrow. There was admiration in the voice of the stranger. If you remained here, I believe you would make your mark in life but you will have even greater opportunity where you are going. I believe your decision will prove to be a happy one. You must stay at a good hotel, reasonable if you want, although it is not important. I will send the girl to you within a few days. You will be married as soon as possible after you meet her. She will bring a letter and will do exactly as you say. I will allow time for you to get acquainted before I have further orders. From that time you will obey my orders explicitly, and follow every instruction without question. Every member of the party will take orders from you, and you must give them." Once more Dick was handed a handful of bills as he prepared to leave, 
and knew there was even more than the first time, but he would live in constant dread of meeting the girl he was to marry. As he started to open the door, the man spoke again. Use the money as you desire. It will be your last chance of spending any, and I want you to enjoy yourself as much as possible during the time remaining. Do what you like for the men in the park, or any others you wish to help. If you need more money, send a messenger to this room, but don't come yourself. Don't contact me again until my orders require it. Have a good time. Dick felt that he was living a dream, but a very pleasant one. Just one thought disturbed him who the girl would be, and what she would be like. End of chapter one.